Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And thank you, Dick Warren. That's the voice of Dick Warren. Uh, for those of you who are trying to identify that voice. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way. In the studio today, okay, we're not in the studio. I'm lying. We're all con connecting and communicating from our homes. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being in the same place. I want to go somewhere. With me today is Alex Terranova, my therapist and a PCC in his own right. Alex uh, is available at thedreammason.com. You can find out about all of its wonderfulness, including his latest book called Fictional Authenticity. Alex, how are you? I'm really good. How are you? I, I uh, Wait, answer that first. How are you? I'm uh, messed up today. I'm trying to do this big uh, deal. My family's uh, getting a new home in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of everything. And today we found out that the people that are selling it are being jerks unnecessarily. And that's disappointing. Don't you hate oh. it when people disappoint you? I do hate it when people disappoint me. And I know how excited you've been. We've talked about this home. So I know how excited you've been about it, which makes the disappointment even bigger because, you know, you're building it up in your mind and telling people about it. And yeah, it's also a weird time to, to be moving because people, so many people are hurting, hungry, you know, uncertain about their next meal or their next paycheck. And um, so to be moving, it's an odd time, right? What's happening yeah. in your world, man? Anything to share with the class? Well, I, wait, before we even do that, I think you should tell people who Dick Warren is because we should do this every once in a while because you say Dick Warren. And I feel like if you're under the age of, I don't know what age, I just know I'm not of that age yet. You don't know who Dick Warren is. So other people listening probably are like, who is this guy? Did, did you know, is this a mentor? Did Christopher have an illicit affair with this person along? Who is this man? <laughs> you, went, you went in a certain direction really quickly there. Dick Warren was uh, one of my mentors. He's a longtime mainstay of um, radio, actual radio, in uh, my current and future hometown of San Diego, California. And I was privileged to work with him as he made the transition to digital or online content. And he was uh, for many years, our announcer, as well as a, a personal mentor and a great human being. So thanks for asking. And cool. uh, he passed away a few years ago, but in homage and in honor of him, we keep the uh, intro with his voice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. That's cool to know. Thanks for sharing. Um, Anything, or should we get right to it? Anything else no. you want to? Uh, what's going on over here? Um, man, it feels like so much. Um, working on the audio book for Fictional Authenticity, which has been an incredible journey of resilience. Um, it's, a, it's, it's battling with technology sometimes. But the audio book is, is almost there. You and I are working on a new podcast show with some, which, with some genius OGs of the old, kind of the, the, founding, the founders of coaching. Um, we just launched this new program called Get Loud, which is awesome. And people are, are loving it. The idea that we're helping people amplify their voices in the world and whatever mediums they want 
be it, you know, podcasting, writing a speech, starting a, you know, uh, creating intellectual property, writing a, a book, whatever it be. Um, there's just so much. Uh, and then I have like all these other projects. I feel like, I kind of feel like you do. 2020 has been hard for so many, but for me, I feel like it's been, it, it's, sad, it's weird and sad to say, but it's been like one of my best years. Now, if I, yeah. and I, I don't think it's that weird when I, when I, it's me, it does sound weird, but when it's you, it sounds kind of normal because the, my belief and understanding of generalized fear that comes with a pandemic is that we want to contract natural. It's natural to contract in times of fear. Certainly my corporate clients, you know, the minute, I think it was like March 20th or something, the minute it was clear this was going to be a pandemic, many of them, first thing to go was the leadership development or the coaching or that sort of thing. The soft skills, so to speak, as they sort of hunkered down. And I think we do that personally as well. We hunker down a bit. And it's not unusual in my experience for coaches to be expanding at a time when others are contracted, you know, in a time of fear, it's kind of like our time to shine. Is that your experience? Mm. It's a, it's, it's a good point. I, I think if you, if you're well trained, whether it be as a coach or you, you know, you've just spent a lot of time in personal development and you spend a lot of time working on, you know, yourself, your growth, your blind spots, whatnot. um, I think it makes sense. Because we're constantly working with people to get outside of fear, to get outside of their egos, to go for what they want. And this, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the enemy (laughs) showed up and now it's like, hey, do your thing now. Um, Yeah, I don't, I think that, I think the toughest thing is like, we don't live in a bubble, right? You were not in a bubble. You're not in a bubble buying this house. I'm not in a bubble with all like, I've had more wins and success this year than any other year, I think. And it's hard to sometimes celebrate them because you see what else is going on. And it's not, I don't get to live in a bubble. Um, But I also want to appreciate what I've done. But I think the same goes for my clients. I don't know about you. I I had had 20% of my practice kind of leave at the beginning of the pandemic. But now my practice is bigger than it was before the pandemic. And my business overall is bigger. And my clients are telling me they're making more money. They're happier. I have multiple clients who have had babies and are, have gotten married during this thing or gotten pregnant. So like major, exciting, huge life events are all still taking place. So I, maybe it's not just coaches, but it's the people that choose to work with coaches too. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. And I want to get to our... Um, esteemed and delightful guest. Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we go in that direction? No, I'll shut up now. I, I get the, I get the hint. I, I see you winking at me. <laughs> <laughs> it was the finger across the throat that you didn't get. I didn't understand why you couldn't get that. Um, you know, and some of what we're talking about is uh, cultural, and we're delighted to welcome back to our microphones a recognized thought leader in bias and cultural intelligence and EQ. Um, She's a writer and an ICF master certified coach. She's been globally coaching since 1998, and I really mean globally, in 40 countries, including coaching UN leaders for nine years and coaching with Ethical Coach in Ethiopia. Known for her big picture approach, her, um, I want to find it. Her vision is so beautiful. Check this out. Unlocking all potential so all can prosper and live in peace. 
What a great guiding vision and principle. Please welcome back to our microphones, Marilyn O'Hearn. Hello, Marilyn. Hello, Christopher and Alex. Great to be here with you. Thanks for being had, as we like to say. Hey, uh, look around outside if you can if you can find a window and tell us where you are today. I'm in Kansas City, and it started this morning at 60 degrees, and it's going to be up to 84, and there's a little breeze, and the leaves are changing colors. It's perfect. It sounds perfect. You know, <laughs> that's why I moved to San Diego for that weather. What are you doing with my weather? Yeah. Um, we don't get it as much of the year as you do. And let's just be clear with people. Kansas City is not in Kansas. That's not what we're talking about. There may be one in Kansas. We don't care about that one, right? This one. Actually, we do. Yeah. <laughs> we, we care about both sides. Um, oh, there's that vision. Yeah, I get it. There, yes. There, there is a state line, an actual road that divides the two states and Kansas City is on both sides. And then but a lot of suburbs that have their own little municipalities. And we come together for big things like the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Royals, symphonies, uh, things like that. Um, and so part of the time we're this one big happy family and part of the time we're in our own little worlds. I remember when I I remember when I learned that Kansas City was a city on the and and it was kind of mind blowing. I don't remember how old I was, but I went, who decided this? <laughs> was, this an, was this an accident? Was this planned? Um, it's kind of a cool idea, though, that right. Two states get to come together and with um, it's, it's almost a metaphor like that we need for the world right now. Right. Yes. I think this is a, a great metaphor for our discussion today. Right on cultural mindset, mm-hmm. yeah, coming together. Part of the time we're in our own little worlds and part of the time we're coming together, hopefully, yeah. Part of the time we're in Missouri and part of the time we're in Kansas. Uh, <laughs> well, let's start at the very beginning. What is CQ? What is cultural, is it competence, intelligence? Yeah, CQ is like EQ, so emotional intelligence, cultural intelligence. So cultural intelligence is really recognizing and understanding the beliefs, values, rank, and behaviors of those cultural identities and groups, and then effectively applying that awareness. And so we know this is important with ICF right now, International Coach Federation, because they talk about um, in their updated competencies, remains aware of and open to the influence of context and culture on self and others. And we know it's important in the business world because there's a study that says 90% of leading executives from 68 countries identify intercultural skills as among the most important capabilities required to remain competitive. We're in so much trouble, Alex. (laughs) Um. Here for you. (laughs) <laughs> I, it's, it, well, it's, it's, it feels like this is a perfect segue because we've been having conversations like this on the yes. podcast recently. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like just based on what we were talking about when we started, what Christopher was sharing about the house and what I was sharing about the winds. Mm-hmm. Um, from that vantage point of, of CQ, like what would you notice or what would you share? Like how would that come into play kind of so people can see like a real world Mm-hmm. You're, yeah. you're assuming that she was listening, right, Alex? <laughs> I know. I saw. I saw this. I saw the Z, the Z, the Z bubbles. Yeah. The Z bubbles uh, coming out of her head. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Well, 
part of what I was thinking is about different cultural groups is what you were touching on. Are you almost feeling a little bit guilty? I was hearing about buying the new house and celebrating all these wins when we know that some have really are economically disadvantaged to start with and some uh, have become economically disadvantaged or more so during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what I think, I think that the examples are always useful as, as Alex points to, but you know, I know that for me, I've been privileged to work in some foreign countries, including Malaysia and Singapore. And when I was working over there, I did some normal in my world things, which included baseball metaphors, which did not translate at all to the, in those countries. And that's one example. But I think you also point to much more subtle things like, um, what is perceived as aggression, for example. You know, I'm familiar, I, I have some clients overseas and, and one Hong Kong coach was deemed too aggressive to work with a certain group in India, yes. which I don't think of as a, as a shy or retiring culture in my mind. Mm-hmm. But what do we know, right? Yeah, so some cultures it's, are more formal, more hierarchical. Um, and less direct. So aggression can be another word for being direct. Um, and we know that's been a competency with through ICF too, is direct communication. And so that's been one of my big things is looking at that. And um, how direct are we in our coaching partnerships or in business? And it should be, in my opinion, um, based partially on um, the, the, the different cultures. So finding out, as I have in contracting with a, a Japanese organization, I said, you know that I'm Western, more direct in my communication. I'm aware that your culture tends to be less direct. So do you want me to dial it down uh, and be less direct as I coach your leaders? And they said, no. Um, because they are working internationally and they need to be prepared for dealing with direct communicators. So if I had just decided, I know this culture and I'm going to be less direct to adjust to them, they wouldn't have been happy. They wouldn't have gotten what they were paying me for. But if I had just not asked that and shown up and been my usual direct self, and that wasn't what they were looking for, they could have thought, wow, she's really offensive, rude, etc." because that's how direct communicators can be seen by indirect communicators. Christopher, you're on mute. This is a great example of indirect communication. <laughs> I wondered what that was. Maybe a secret signal between. Thank you. I've got I've got a button now on my microphone and one on the and I can't keep track of two buttons. I heard I heard someone say the other day about someone else. They're like he doesn't do anything by accident. I'm like no, Christopher does a lot of things by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm the question I want to ask is like there's so many cultures, right? There's so many. There's I think 193 countries. Give her like I'm right around that, but and not every I I don't want to know that every country could have multiple cultures within the countries, right? So there's absolutely. So if as a coach, we could spend the entire the entirety of our lives learning about every culture. What do we do to broaden our horizons here, learn more without making this an endless um, 
an endless learning that has us never actually be in the doing, just in the learning. Right. Uh, so what I train and mentor and um, in my coaching supervision, I work with coaches on asking the question of tell me something about your culture and how that might impact our work together. So, for example, someone might say, well, I'm, you know, I'm from Western Europe and I'm working in South America. And what I'm noticing is they are uh, much slower paced and they, uh, they're less direct in their communication. And I feel really frustrated by that sometimes. Or it might be um, an African-American woman and saying, you know, I, when I feel like I am communicating directly and clearly, people are calling me an angry black B word, you know? So I want you to, to, to be aware of that and how that might be showing up in our work together. And sometimes when I ask that in the U.S. in particular or North America, people will say, well, what do you mean my culture? What, what does that mean? Particularly if they are, are white because we aren't raised to really think about whiteness as being a culture. We just think that's the norm. And, um, and of course, it's, it's not going to be the norm pretty soon in a few decades. Yeah. So um, sometimes people aren't that aware of what, it, what all their different cultures are. And it's, it's not just race and ethnicity and where you're from, but it's also what generation, your gender, um, your sexual orientation, your religion, their, your educational level, socioeconomic. There's so many different factors, and we're all a combination of those different cultural groups. Christopher, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you out. Normally, you're pushing me out, but I wanna I wanna follow this. Um, what's really cool is you. It's not a so what I what I got from you is hey, we don't need to go learn everything about the whole world and all the different people just in case we can actually take it on a case by case basis. And I love it. Actually, reminds me. I have a client who's a bishop. Mm -hmm. And I don't know a lot about his specific, you know, uh, denomination and mm -hmm. specifically about his faith, but knowing that he was a bishop changed, right, the way we talk about faith and God. Mm -hmm. And it, it actually has me show up differently as a coach than I might with other clients that have a much looser relationship, let's say, to their religion or their faith. Mm -hmm. And it, it not knowing that would have me say things that maybe would dramatically impact our relationship. Um, yeah. I love that you said the question you said is tell me about tell me about uh, your culture and how this might impact working together. And it seems like a great question to either have in a questionnaire or even in that first coaching session, like that the sample session or the very first session um, as a way to connect to, to really actually let somebody know you want to know who they, who they are. Yes. And I, you know, I, I'm just wrapping up a contract, um, an international contract where we had three coaching sessions together. And so asking that question takes us to a deep connecting at the being level right away. And, um, it's, it's part of also, you know, getting the goal and the vision, the bigger context and um, and then helps us to to kind of go at that level 
in even in trainings, you know, I use this. Um, and instead of, you know, how's your day going or where did you come from today for in-person meetings? It's, you know, tell me a little bit about your culture when, or share a cultural value. And wow, people are just there immediately. And I do um, on both an initial session and in the paperwork, mm -hmm. the, the profile I ask people to complete. Yeah. I, as I'm hearing this and listening to this, you know, what I'm noticing is that it sounds like it's fraught with peril, meaning that there's a thousand ways to get it wrong and no real way to get it right. Or are there examples that you know of in the world or in work that you've done of people who are getting this right? Or are we all just sort of muddling through? Hmm. Well, um, the people that, you know, my mentor coaching group is the culturally competent credentialing mentor coaching program. And, and so this is something that just like learning the bookends of setting a clear agreement or, um, the, the wrap up at the end with the, who's on the accountability team. This is, this is one of the questions and they're all saying this helps so much in my coaching. So that's the, that's the feedback that I get. And I haven't ever had a client complain. Now in the mentor coaching group, I ask people to introduce themselves culturally and I give my cultural introduction as an example. And I did have one person that um, contacted me privately and said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be doing my cultural introduction. And here's why. And the why was uh, part of their cultural identity was something that had been like persecuted over generations and their family survived by hiding that part of their cultural identity. And that was just felt too risky to share that. Mm -hmm. So that's the only example that I have of um, not going kind of in the normal, this is great and it's working, um, but have a different reaction. Yeah. I was, um Sorry, I want to go back and highlight a couple of things. The first is the group that you're talking about, the Culturally Confident Credentialing Mentor Coaching Program for Coaches. It's a hand, is, it's a mouthful, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> it's a coaching supervision group for people who want to develop cultural competence or confidence in their competence. Is yeah, this is, this is not supervision. So, you know, supervision and mentoring are two different things. This is a mentor coaching group. So it counts for the 10 hours of, uh, of ICF credentialing. And then I've integrated cultural competencies with coaching competencies. And so um, when we're listening to a coach recording or um, each other coach, then we're providing feedback on here's, here's what I heard in terms of the ICF competencies and here's what I heard culturally. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And how do people join that, find out more? How do we get oh, in there? Thanks for asking. <laughs> it's on my website, marilynoh.com uh, forward slash mentor dash coaching. And, um, yeah, I do two groups a year. So the next one will be in January. We just completed one. 
And so next year, is, as you know, we'll be integrating the, the updated the competencies. Right. Yes. And, uh, and I know you've got a, a, a training program that includes mentor coaching, and not all training programs do. So the people that are in my program, they're either renewing their ACC, they're going for their MCC, they need the, the 10 extra hours, or they went through a program that didn't provide it. Mm-hmm. Very good. And again, Marilyn OH is spelled M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-O-H.com. You can find out more about this and all of Marilyn's great work there. The, the other piece I was getting at is I was wondering about leaders in our lifetimes, you know, current world leaders, right? It's, yeah. it's a bit challenging these days to find leaders to admire. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you, if there are real life examples of people who are kind of getting it right or more correct in the cultural competence than some of the leaders that we can think of who are getting it pretty wrong. Yes. Or at least (laughs) maybe that's a judgy statement from my own judgment and I need to develop some humility. But are there people that you're admiring or following and saying, wow, these people are really getting some cultural competence, uh, you know, points, so to speak? Yes. Yes, and just even your question and catching yourself in your own judgment, you know, so, so congratulations on that. And that is an example I give of my own cultural oops, is my kids calling me out on how I was talking about uh, people during an election. So I especially admire the, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. And um, she, in New Zealand itself, for... Uh, over a hundred years has required a certain number of seats in their parliament for the Maori, the native um, representatives. And it's part of what they teach in school, that language, they have their own TV channel. So it's inclusive and honoring the the legacy of the indigenous people. And I think that um, she does that really well. She had this beautiful poem that she wrote and shared with the people as they were getting going into the pandemic and it used Maori imagery. And, um, and she's a young mother, you know, she has her child in, in pictures. And so that's inclusive of families and, uh, and recognizing how hard this is for people with, with young children at home where you're trying to do school, be the parent and the teacher and the worker all at the same time. Um, I just think she's had a very compassionate um, inclusive style of leadership. Mm-hmm. Great. So there is one. <laughs> okay. Thank you. There, there it is again. I hear it now. Yeah. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Alex. I'm just glad it didn't take us longer to get that. It would have been really unfortunate. Um, you brought up like our our current political environment, and without diving into that, I, I, I am curious what you see from from your experience and your, your learning and how you work with your clients and how you train people to be in the environment we're in right now. I mean, I think it, it's testing us in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, and as coaches and leaders, right, people look to us. Mm-hmm. So what are you, you know, how are you doing this? Again, you mentioned your kids are, <laughs> are reflecting things back to you, but how are yeah. you doing this with, with your clients? What are you kind of working with them on? I'd be curious. Just to know yeah. 
Uh, well, part of, you know, EQ and CQ then are being that starting with awareness of, you know, where am I coming from? And like Christopher, you know, just catching himself in judgment. And I think that that involves taking a pause, you know, just actually pausing and taking a few deep breaths and asking ourselves, where are we coming from? And what are the assumptions and judgments and bias that we might have? towards this particular group of people? How might that be showing up for me as a leader um, in terms of who I'm letting go during a pandemic, who I'm keeping in terms of talent, um, what kind of culture or atmosphere we have as an organization? Um, is it an inclusive where there's a sense of belonging and people of different cultural groups can see examples of people like them who are advancing or is it, you know, all one group in the, you know, at the round table, the executive round table um, and on the board. So I think that's, that's something to look at. And in my um, article or blog about my own cultural oops, which I share as part of that um, cultural mindset chapter in the recent book, I talk about some clues that we can um, be aware of that say we might be moving into harmful judgment that might include bias. And one is negatively talking about those people. And that's what my daughters called me out on is, you know, there was political add on. And I said, I can't believe these fear based ads and that those people are buying, you know, this misinformation. <laughs> and so negatively talking about those people when you whenever you're separating yourself out um, of you know, it's those people in a, in a negative way. And then another could be um, shooting or advice giving, implying you should change without empathy. You should be, you know, you should be doing this. Like, don't you know better kind of a um, response. Condemning something or someone as bad, stupid, unworthy, deplorable. You know, that was an example in the last election that really got a politician into trouble. Um, and then even like signs, sighs or groans in response to behavior or appearance. Yeah, or, Alex. <laughs> or ignoring, ignoring someone when they're talking or uh, avoiding, avoiding certain people, certain cultural groups. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. 
Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. So, you know, it's clear that we should be doing these things, right? That these are important. By the way, that, art, uh, that uh, chapter that you wrote, is, uh-huh. that, is that the book, Breaking Free from Bias? No, thanks for asking, though. The Breaking, Breaking Free from Bias is um, the book that I have written to help people move from just identifying bias to what can we do about it. And then I recently wrote the chapter um, on cultural mindset for the successful mind that and that just came out last week mm-hmm. okay so we need we need both things we need the successful mind to get your chapter 25 developing a cultural mindset for success <laughs> and then we also need a copy of breaking free from bias and is that is that sort of a beginners i mean is that a good place to start the breaking free from bias book Breaking Free from Bias was specifically written for leaders, coaches, HR professionals within organizations. So here's how I can identify my own bias. That's where it starts with our own awareness. And then how can I uh, discover where it is in our organization and what to do about it? Do you have a a particular way that you enjoy uh, introducing the notion of bias to your leaders uh, who are your clients. It, you know, so many of us uh, work with leaders who, who have that belief that Marshall Goldsmith talks about, about what got them here will get them to the next place, which is, uh-huh. you know, deadly, right? In, yes. the, in terms of their career. So yeah. do you have a favorite way that you introduce it to leaders? Like here's an example of how you, your royal amazingness have bias. <laughs> Um, I I use an example of uh, someone that I've coached who was a Western European working in South America. And when I asked about initial coaching goals, he said, yeah, I want to improve my negotiation skills and external relationships. He said, okay, can you give me an example of that? Yes, I want to prove to them they are wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I like this person. I like them a lot. They, I, I really get them. <laughs> yeah. So I really just, I said, you know, there's a, there's a question in coaching. Would you rather be right or be in a relationship? And they laughed and I thought, oh, that's a good sign because they're not so dug in that they don't recognize these two things don't go together. My goal and my approach. And from there, 
we could explore the the cultural piece so you know how direct are you very direct how direct are they not very direct so could that be where this frustration is coming from yes and so if you really do want to improve relationships and negotiation uh, other you know be instead of deciding you're right and they're wrong what could you do that would be more effective mm-hmm. yeah. yeah alex oh sorry i already <laughs> used that joke sorry there's there's i mean all of this is feels like this is everybody every day right now like all the the, the fourth the judgment thing biases the the things you described um i don't know anybody that's that is uh mastering this at this moment in time i'm curious how you it's what i notice is when i i i love the the points like all the things you said you know negatively talking the shooting the condemning others um how do you take care of yourself in a world that is so um that is so inundated with all of this at this moment like what do you just do for you to keep you able to be the person you want to be. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Alex. That's a great question. Um, well, I, I went through this program of Doug Silsby's called Presence-Based Coaching, and he taught us this centering technique. He said, if you do it 10 times a day, it will change your life. So, and it involves deep breathing. We know that taking a deep breath changes the blood flow in your brain. So that's going to help immediately move from that reactive you know, kind of response to a more uh, focused and measured response. And, um, and it's, it really gets you back, like out of your, your head for a minute into your body and accessing all the, the strengths and gifts that have got you to this place and what will be with you as you move forward. So kind of that, and then you know, you mentioned the the bishop. So my faith is very important to me. So I spend, you know, beginning and end of the day journaling and some prayer and some reading. And um, so that those two things combined and making sure I get outside every day and, and walk or hike and, and be with loved ones. Those are, that's what keeps me going. And and really, I love coaching, and it feeds me. And, you know, I was talking with someone the other day. I Like you, Alex, I've had more clients this year than I've, than I've ever had. And uh, this friend of mine was saying, oh, that would be exhausting to have that many appointments in one day. And I said, no, for me, it's, you know, it's really energizing to to partner with someone and see them take steps towards their vision and achieve their goals it's like a great commercial for coaching i tell people i'm I'm with you i tell people that the worst day of coaching is better than the best day of any other job i had Um, (laughs) i i think just to add in there i think also like as we you know my first three years as a coach i wouldn't have said that I was exhausted. I, I didn't know who I was working with, right? So I was, tr- yeah. I was still working through who are my people, who are my kind of clients, what, do I, what kind of people do I enjoy coaching? And also, I'm doing a lot more work in the beginning as a new coach, right? I'm, I'm trying to get people somewhere and instead of letting them do the work. But mm-hmm. 
I can say now I understand it's like almost six years in mm -hmm. the clients I have, I can have more in a day and I don't feel as, I still think I feel tired at the end, but during mm -hmm. the day I don't feel beat up. I used to remember feeling beat up by my clients as I went through the day. And as I've mm -hmm. grown as a coach, I think that has shifted. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I just um, have a mastery group with some coaches too. It's a combination of mentoring and supervising and business development. And, you know, they tell people it, it takes about two years to get your business going, to decide who it is you really want to work with and, and market your marketing plan. And that a lot of the time at the beginning is spent in marketing and that's not energizing for some people. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually great. I mean, for, I, I like to take for, for this podcast that the, the kind of place of, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to have probably been listening to Christopher for years and a lot of very high level coaches that are very successful. And then I, and my guess is that there's also coaches that are new that are trying to come here to learn and see. And I, I just had a, I have a client who came back to me who wants to go full-time coaching now. They'd kind of been dabbling on the side and, um, they said they want to go full time and, and they told me what they want to do in the first year. And I said, Hey, it's possible. It's not what you're saying. Isn't impossible. It's going to require something. And remember that we're build, you're building something new. You're starting something. It's going to require like the things that I had to do in the first two or three years. I don't have to do those things anymore. Yeah. Um, but when you're in those first two or three years, you don't know that, right? I thought, right. I was going to be making cold calls and lists of people to call forever. And the idea of that was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Right. And now I'm sitting here going, I, I don't ever do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great lesson. I think people need to, that are in the beginning, need to hear like those first two or three years, however long it takes, is, is, a, is you're, you're like putting the foundation of the house together. Right? Yes. We don't go back and unless something bad happens, we don't go back and redo foundations, but we keep remodeling on top and making the house prettier and nicer yeah. and bigger. I love Chris, that. Christopher, I know I interrupted you. Get, you're welcome to speak now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ali. Uh, <laughs> so many wrong jokes there. I want to, I want to uh, thank you for all of that. And I'm looking at the, Kind of, I notice it lives like a spaghetti ball for me or a bowl of pasta where we've got bias and we've got cultural competence mm -hmm. and we've got, and, and sort of in all of these things, we're talking about our blind spots. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if you can help me parse or, or separate these spaghetti strands a little bit to distinguish, uh, you know, I, you probably heard it in my earlier question, kind of like, where do we start and how can we develop in this conversation? And then if we've got time, or Alex doesn't interrupt, uh, I'd like to talk about the importance of humility through all of it. Mm -hmm. So to get all that, first, the spaghetti strands of bias versus cultural competence versus, I don't know, just being a good person and a professional, and then right. later. Yeah. So we started with um, CQ, or cultural intelligence, being the recognizing and understanding beliefs, values, ranks, and behaviors of um, cultural identities and groups and then effectively applying that awareness and that includes awareness of how other people see us you know how so how does someone see me as a white middle-aged woman right yeah um, 
And then, so cultural competency would be, you know, the application really of the, that awareness. Mm -hmm. And bias is really at its simplest in favor of or against something or someone or some group. And it can be conscious or unconscious. And so what has been the focus recently has been unconscious bias, um, identifying what groups we might be unconsciously against. Mm -hmm. And you're on mute. (laughs) This is that two button thing. Um, So I'm consciously against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Right. Yes. But unconsciously, I may be, for example, um, drawn more to the opinions or conversations with people who have my hair color and and similar uh, generation than, say, young people with beards. That's right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm following. Okay, so so now I've got awareness and the application of awareness is cultural competence and I've got bias. How does humility fit in the whole thing? And, and yes, it is kind of hilarious that I would ask that Alex. You're right. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think you might've read my chapter. So you know that I talk about Ache and that's drawn from a lot of research, but especially Janet Bennett's, but my own acronyms. So awareness, curiosity, humility, and empathy, the importance of, approaching uh, people, groups of people, our work with those four um, qualities. Marilyn, I have to I have to let you know that as I read it, it's funny to hear you say Ache, because as I read it, it's ache. So I Yes, I don't want you to pronounce it that way. <laughs> I, I tried to put a little accent on the E, so it wouldn't be ache, yeah. And uh, I've done this program in India, and they said it's a good thing in in uh, in that language. So okay, um, so the importance of humility, just like I mentioned, that client who was starting out saying, "I want to prove to them that they are wrong," and and the the inference is that I'm right, right? Mm-hmm. My way of doing things is right. My cultural approach is right, and yours is wrong, and in any cultural work, um, there's always a question of who adjusts how much. And in this case, it was someone from a different culture expecting their host culture, you know, the culture where they were living, to adapt to them, uh, which probably isn't going to go over that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. And I would say in leadership in general, we ask for positive examples of leaders and that leader I mentioned in New Zealand is is coming across as humble, not I'm right and you're wrong and this is the way it's going to be or attacking people. It's that uh, I understand that for me, for example, I've written a book for on bias, and I did a lot of research for that, and I've been pushing for cultural competency in, the, in our field for um, decades, and uh, I still have so much to learn. You know, I'm, I'm on a path, and I'm never going to fully arrive. I'm going to continue to learn. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's humility. <laughs> I want to, I, I know it's Alex's turn, but I, I want to emphasize it so much, you know, in our, you pointed out and graciously so that I have a coach's training program. And in that program, you know, we've got a very clear hierarchy. There's a first thing, a second thing, and the third thing is about servant-based leadership and mm-hmm. coaching from humility. So I think it's not only true um, that leaders are better when they bring humility to the table, but I think it's true that coaches need to bring humility to the table. And I believe we all are familiar with or have met that coach who knows everything. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes it's me. But the, uh, you know, I'm sort of the natural enemy of most people these days because I'm an old white guy who thinks he knows something, right? Which is um, (laughs) a a precarious position for me to be in these days. But I I feel like if we could wave our magic wand and give humility to all coaches everywhere, you know, just a little sousson of of humility, we'd all be better coaches. Mm -hmm. And I love this as an access to it, you know, because it forces us or invites us to say, what am I assuming here? Where are my assumptions or presumptions and reminding us that they're not true? Mm-hmm. Is there something that you've either experienced yourself or seen that's a, an example of a lack of humility by a coach? By a coach? Hmm. I mean, uh, before, before this morning's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to think about that from, uh, you know, because I've shared the client example, but I hadn't thought about it that much from a coach example. So let me think about that. And in the meantime, just comment that um, part of humility, besides that recognizing that we don't know everything, and and I have that quote from Cheryl Wang, who's the CEO of HTC, it takes humility to realize we don't know everything, to know we must keep learning and observing. And, um, and also just this idea of cultural mindset that we, um, Milton Bennett's ethnocentrism talks about this right, wrong, polarity, black and white is like the beginning and where a lot of people start and then where you want to end up is I recognize all the differences and I appreciate them and let's leverage them within our team, our organization, and that I can shift cultural perspectives. I can look at it from um, the viewpoint of someone in China or Japan or Peru um, without losing who I am and my own culture. Yeah, and I gosh, I will say that there, uh, I'm not going to name names, there are some people in the coaching profession who declare themselves as the number one, you know, coach in in the world, and... um, Wait, we can do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I can just declare I am the number one. (laughs) Yeah, like the, the, like the, the, I read the book on the fish market in Seattle, you know, that, that famous fish market in Seattle, yeah. they declared themselves. They had a very small marketing budget. They just declared themselves the number one fish market in the world, put it on their T-shirts, started acting that way, mm. and they became number one. Mm. Bike Plex Market, people, go there. All yeah. right. 
Yeah, that's that's a really great example. Thanks. I was trying to think of examples on my own, but it's it's sort of rampant often in when coaches gather. You know, is the hubris of of coaching, and maybe it's just when coaches gather around me. But I I appreciate that as a great example, and I think that. Um, the more we can bring it, you know, one of the things that I've been doing recently is interviewing sort of uh, what Alex and I call the OGs of coaching, you know, people that were around when coaching started 20, 30 years ago and, and um, what they see as coaching has progressed. And it's interesting how much cultural competence is missing sometimes above a certain, you know, kind of, age group and above a certain uh, level, even in coaching. So I think it's important to keep our eye on the humility of our profession, as well as our individual selves, right? And making sure that we continue forward, recognizing that for decades, for the existence of coaching, we have uh, unintentionally or perhaps unconsciously created some outgroups and to invite them to the table. Do you have any, um, are you aware of any activities or do you do anything to sort of challenge yourself in terms of your own coach training and development of coaches around you to make sure that you don't get stuck in any patterns or to sort of check yourself before you wreck yourself as a kid say? Yeah, I like, uh, I like trying, you know, sampling different um, trainings and, and programs and putting myself in different situations. And I think that's, uh, that's part of the, the curiosity piece is um, to gain understanding of, of other people's perspectives is put yourself in different situations. Don't just, you know, like whatever your coach training is, don't hang out just with that group, you know, um, expose yourself to different ideas and, and approaches and people uh, with an open mind, that curious beginner's mind of uh, not that I know everything yet, but I'm, I'm here to learn. It's such a uh, great reminder because we do that, right? We, when I was in the hospitality space, almost all my colleagues were bartenders, mm-hmm. waiters, people that ran other places, right? And the the deeper you go into that space, the more you become the know, you know, the know-it-all. And then as I shifted into coaching, all of a sudden my closest friends and colleagues over time became those coaches that I trained with or supported. And it does, it's like we, it's what we're seeing online, right? We see what validates those bias that what we see what validates us and we see, and we don't see the things that don't. Um, I want to, I know we're like, this time has flown by, um, thanks to Christopher, you know, letting us have so much fun here, just the two of us. Um, but I want to, I want to make sure that we get, uh, you have a giveaway for us. You have a newsletter that you send out. We've already talked about, we got your books. Um, what's your newsletter? You do a monthly newsletter and you have a giveaway that's associated with it. Yes. When you sign up for the newsletter, you get um, you get a document that's two keys to income, impact and income, but it's one of them is um, this pausing and taking a look at assumptions, and so there's a, a multi-step process for that. And another is um, keys to handling challenging communication conversations. Yeah, 
So that's that goes out monthly. I have a weekly blog that is also posted in social media and a YouTube channel, over 100 videos. And yeah. Wow. Fun. And then a page on my website where I'll be posting this podcast and I have other podcasts and programs. Yes. I appreciate so much that the opportunity to come and have fun and, and have this conversation today. And, you know, one thing I'm thinking about in terms of humility and coaches is that uh, according to ICF research, anyway, we're a female dominated. There's more women than men. Um, and that women, uh, we know from research that if a, a job position is posted, uh, a man will look at the qualifications and say, I've got 70 per- 70% of this. I'm going for it. I've got this. And a woman will look at it and say, I don't have 100% yet, so I'm not qualified. So I think we're raised as women to be more humble. We're not, you know, climbing in, in our play growing up. We weren't climbing to the, say, who was king of the hill and and, you know, just different ways of, of being raised and, and a little bit different approach to how we see ourselves. Marilyn. In general, of course, it's, you know, for we can't say all women are like this, all men are like this. That's right. Or all people who identify as men or women or non-binary right. gender. Right. Yeah. right. Um, I think that... It's it's been delightful and delicious to be with you. I thank you so much. I want to remind people about the books, Breaking Free from Bias, your book, as well as your chapter written for The Successful Mind, both available on Amazon or wherever fine books are available, as well as on your website, Marilyn, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-O-H, for O-H-R-N, dot com, uh, where you can get find out about the Culturally Confident Credentialing Mentor Coaching Program, which will start in January, as well as sign up for the monthly les- newsletter and get two keys to impact and income with tools to further our cultural mindsets. Thank you so much for the work that you do have done for several decades now in the world of coaching. Thank you so much for being with us. And I want to give you the last uh, few minutes of our time together. If you had a parting thought or a parting shot to give to a few thousand coaches, what would you have us know? What would you leave us with today? I think instead of uh, something to know, it would be a question of how are you contributing to unlocking all potential so we can all live in prosperity and peace to further further my vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a beautiful so what's, vision. What's, what's your part that you're going to do? Mm-hmm. It's such a great question. And of course, for me, uh, the focus out of our conversation today is the all part and starting to notice where all, you know, where the limits are of all in my own blind spots and my own vision. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a wonderful day in Kansas City or wherever your work and travels take you. And um, once again, the website is Marilyn O.H. And the woman is Marilyn O'Hare. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christopher and Alex. Alex, did you learn some stuff today? (laughs) I did learn some stuff. Me too. I I love, I think the thing that I I wrote, like I wrote, first of all, the question from the very beginning to tell me about 
you, uh, tell me tell me about your culture and how this might impact working together. Right. It's Brilliant. like I, I mean I have it in my notes, but I also wrote it on a post-it to like put into my things later. So um, you know, I don't know who that who that will impact first, like what client or what person, but I, I know that there's a person that I'll work with that that's gonna make a difference for. Um so that was I think that in itself made this whole conversation extremely worthwhile. Beautiful. Um, and how, how great is it that Marilyn walks around with a vision for her life in the world that she can true herself up to or in her behavior and her work? You know, I'm, my vision has been trued up to what's going to have my kids, you know, bother me less, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's, not, that's actually not, you know, you say that, but that's not true. You know, you, you've shared with me, and I don't know if you still have it because I know you're in the process of moving, but you shared with me a long time ago that you have essentially your on your desk a list of like who you are oh, that's right right like who you are as yeah it's as a coach right right who i am as a coach right and what and, i'm here to do yeah yeah and i have a very clear it's not written anywhere but i have a really clear image that i thought of that's probably about probably talking about four four or five years ago now when i had this realization of i'm not the man i want to be and I don't mean man like as in gender, I just mean like as, as the being that I am, but I'm not the person or the man I want to be. And I had to get really clear on who, what that future of me looked like. Mm -hmm. um, and I got really clear like what that was. And that's still like the game I'm playing. Like I'm every day, it's about becoming that version of myself, like growing into it. So even though I might not be it now, I have to practice it every day. And what a beautiful example of the humility that Marilyn was talking about. All right. Well, a great day, a great episode. Thank you very much for your time. That's Alex Terranova. You can find him on thedreammason.com. You can find his book, Fictional Authenticity, or his podcast, The Dream Mason Podcast, Flip the Lens Podcast. And there's another one in the works. There's, this guy's going to be all over your airwaves. Of course, please go and pick up Marilyn's book and find out more about her work by going to marilynoh.com and find out all about her extraordinary work including getting your own copy of Breaking Free from Bias, signing up for the monthly newsletter, and go ahead and register now for that Culturally Confident Credentialing Mentor Coaching Program for Coaches. My name is Christopher McAuliffe. We are brought to you each week uh, by the great folks at Accomplishment Coaching. If you're looking for a coach training program, the world's finest is available at accomplishmentcoaching.com. And I thank you, dear listener, for being with us, and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.